Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast in which we profile some of our favorite B-movie and genre film stars. That's right. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Tori Potenza. And if you're hearing this, it's because our first few episodes were recorded before we knew what our podcast was called. Yep. Or before we had any social media. So you'll hear us say a lot of stuff that either isn't true or... Not real yet. <laughs> so. Yes, uh, but now it's real. If you're but now this, it's real. It's real. Yeah. Uh, you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Um, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the internet. And um, we're now part of the Movie John Network. Yes. So uh, definitely follow Movie John on social medias as well as uh, the Movie John Podcast Network. Yep, you can go to moviejohn.com for this podcast mm-hmm. and a bunch of others. Yeah. And uh, we also just want to quickly give a shout out to uh, the folks that helped us with some of our music, uh, which uh, I'm lucky enough to have friends, uh, Christine and her partner, Pat, uh, who did the intro music for the podcast, as well as Alex, uh, who is the co-owner of A Novel Idea on Passiunk uh, in Philadelphia. Does Alex have a last name so people can look him up? Alex Snyder. Uh, So he is a really great graphic designer. Uh, He does all the graphic design for the bookshop uh, that he co-owns and has done uh, tons of other work for other folks. So we're very lucky to have these talented people who uh, did the music and art for us because those are things we can't do. Yeah, so (laughs) thank you to them and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks! You don't have like a crazy song or something. No, just like you don't have a bone tomahawk. Yeah, it's why I like that, even though that's become like somewhat problematic. Mm-hmm. We've tried to avoid it on I like to movie movie, mm-hmm. but it is nice to just have a bang and we're in. Welcome to the show. I know it's always awkward on our podcast when we do it on Butter with that. I just need we need to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll watch something that has a really great line, and we'll be like, "That's it." That's the thing we say. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know why it can't be, like, in my head, it can never be as simple as just, welcome to Killer Bees. My name is Garrett Smith. (laughs) Can we leave all of this in? Of course. (laughs) Great. You got to introduce yourself now. (laughs) I'm Tori Potenza, and welcome to Killer Bees. It was a really great intro. You should always come in with the same faux drunk, uh, like, attitude that you had a moment before I hit record. (laughs) What, you like it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was that, like, "Hey, yo, welcome to Killer Bees." <laughs> yeah, you came in, you came in hot. Well, you just got to pretend you like are a little drunk, and I think you'll like nail it. You'll have like host personality on ten. Oh man, wait, you don't like my regular host personality? <laughs> no, you're. I mean, my timid, shy. How the fuck do I start this? Thing I mean, you're probably like a nine point nine, but if you just throw a hint of drunk on there, I think you'll be a full ten. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what you guys came to listen to, obviously, is yeah. uh, us talking about how good we are at starting intros. <laughs> yeah, is this what people want out of podcasts? Yep. For the hosts to talk about hosting a podcast yeah. while they host a podcast? <laughs> and how awkward it is. Yeah. They're like, oh, these guys are just real people. They know how it is. That's what people want. Okay, uh, <laughs> so what is our podcast? What is Killer so Bees? Killer Bees. It's the podcast where we do profiles on some of our favorite B-movie and genre movie film stars. Yes. Uh, so, um, 
today we're going to be talking about D. Wallace. Um, Hell we're doing a yeah, two-parter on D. Wallace because she's had an insane career. D deserves both parts. She does. I'm very excited. <laughs> Just deliver things in like, uh, like as side characters from Andy Samberg movies. Yeah, now. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Man, I'm trying to think. Have we watched any good like B movie stuff lately that we can uh, can talk about? I feel like we've watched a lot, but I also I feel like I've been watching a lot of like extra movies on the side yeah, uh, in the movies. morning. I need to do an afternoon movie to like make sure I even out with you. I mean, we watched uh, Planet of the Vampires last night, which <sighs> I know you were very bored by, as was I. That but I so boring. loved it. I like really loved it. It is one of the most boring movies I've watched in a while, and I loved every second of it. It is just gorgeous. Man, it's just so boring. I mean, it's... it's you tried to be like, hey, it's a vampire movie. Let's watch it. You were like, choose it off of my list, and it was on your list. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't even have lesbian vampires or anything, what which you is want? the it best kind of list, vampire. I, chose it off your list. <laughs> I really like... But, you know, it's like... Uh, I love um, his movie. It's a Mario Bava movie. I love his movie um, Blood and Black Lace so yeah. much, which feels like the better version of this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's that movie without any like t- context. It's just such a weird movie because like the first 10 minutes of the movie, before you really even know what's going on, you see the crew land a plane and it like essentially almost kills them because they like are like so uncomfortable when they're landing <laughs> yeah right and then they literally try to murder each other and you don't find out what's happening till like a while later but yeah. you're like what the fuck like you're just and you're watching these actors just like do so much like physical acting that you don't even understand and it's so strange it is very strange i and they're I, all wearing like leather space suits yeah they're awesome though <laughs> that, and, like they're really cool i really like those suits there's some cool looking stuff there's tons of cool looking stuff like but, the, just every frame is like ooh, it's delicious so to fucking me boring yeah really boring um but i was thinking of stuff we watched lately because we were celebrating john carpenter's birthday oh the my other god day, yes which has become like a, a holiday in our household yeah have we done that three times now we have yeah um I forget what we watched last year. We but did Prince of Darkness last oh, year, right? Oh, we did right? Prince of Darkness, yeah. And we did The Fog yeah. the first year we started dating. Yeah. And it was great because we both realized how much The Fog is actually like a good movie. And we kept thinking it was boring. And that's actually not a boring movie at all. Yeah, right. We both um, came to it having seen it like, like once or twice fine. before. I mean, like, this movie's all right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a good, this is what we should do for his birthday is like revisit stuff yeah. that we maybe didn't like or didn't mm-hmm. get. Didn't work as well for Prince of Darkness. I no, still feel great. like I'm not crazy about that yeah. movie. I know people that love that movie. I know. And I'm very 50-50 with that. I love, like, the that. first half hour of that movie. Yeah, me Like, too. when they're getting the crew together. It's yeah. such a weird combination of people, and the concept of that movie is so interesting. Yes. And then it kind of just, like, falls flat for kind, me. It just, like, kind of becomes, like, a haunted house movie for yeah. an act after setting up this, like, really great kind of, yeah. like, spiritual space yeah. shit. It feels like, like a, a worse Hellraiser for a lot of it, if that yeah. makes sense. It's yeah. in that like gross, dirty like house that yeah. is similar to like a it's Hellraiser like a church, thing. Think, right? yeah, it's a yeah. church. And then like, you know, there is some weird body horror stuff, but it yeah. isn't like that great and yeah. that fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this year we decided we would watch a new John Carpenter yeah, that we had not seen before. Right, because neither of us had seen it. We picked Starman. Starman. Which was so cute. It, it was, was just so nice. Romantic <laughs> as fuck. I it loved really it. was. Yeah. It was, yeah, there were like several like, times I wanted to cry and yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and you know, it's like, it is like tragic in some sense, right? It's like yeah. the whole thing that's happening is a very tragic scenario. 
uh, for Karen Allen's character specifically, you know? Um, but like, it is so romantic in a way that yeah. no other John Carpenter movie I've ever seen I is. Know, you know it's what I wilds. mean? Um, and yeah, I just, it's just a, it was really beautiful. It has some like very John Carpenter moments. Yeah. The cinematography especially is like very John Carpenter. It all felt like John Carpenter despite it being unlike any John Carpenter I've ever like seen. It was like warm. Yeah, it was so know? warm. I, 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 the music was so good and all great. of his music's really good. But mm-hmm. like now when I hear that music, I immediately get that like emotional, yeah. like, oh, this movie. <laughs> yeah. And that, and this is one of the like, you know, only couple of times that he worked with like a different composer. Yeah, which is always so interesting when he does that. Yeah, and I, I would be curious to read about it because I know, like, in some of the other cases, it was more like a composer retained their name on it, but he kind of yeah. mostly did his own music anyway. Yeah, which, like, there's definitely elements of this that sound John Carpentery to me. So yeah. I also wonder what that working relationship was like. Yeah, Jack Nietzsche. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Starman, so fucking good. I feel like people need to talk about that more. Oh, he did like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So he has was that Moulin Rouge on there? Yeah, it's a, but for soundtrack. So it might uh, mean because that movie has like some like remix yeah, type stuff going on. So, yeah. uh, you know, that could mean a lot of things. But um, but yeah. So we we've seen some good stuff, but of course we've also seen a ton of the Wallace stuff we because sure? we've been yeah. trying to uh, get ready for this episode. Had to beef up on my D. We do. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and I know like we talked about this before because we watched like one of her one or two of her movies like last year, and you were like, oh, I don't know who that is, and I'm like, of course you do because we've def- like you've definitely seen her in so many things. Oh yeah, but she does like. She is like usually like a mom and things too, so I feel like you don't always think about who the mom character is and stuff. And so it's totally true. This made me realize I have like mom blindness, which yeah. is like really <laughs> is bad. You know, it like is, it's yeah. really unfortunate that like you know Hollywood only has roles for like yeah. you know a, a young starlet or a mom. Like it's yeah. like those two things. And it's interesting that like she, you know, like we one of the things we watched and we'll we'll get to it as we talk, but like uh The Hills Have Eyes, mm. she's like young in that movie and is already playing a new mother. Yeah. <laughs> like she's it's, it's weird. She, she very immediately is yeah. playing moms. That's like early in her career and yeah. she's already a mom. But you're right, it's like I that I didn't even think about this, but it's like part of my sort of like, wait, who is D Wallace mm-hmm. thing is just that like I I don't think enough about like the mother roles yeah. in the movie, or I didn't at least when I was young. You know, mm-hmm. when I was watching movies growing up, a mom was just like a mom. It was almost like yeah. a non-character in movies to yeah. me. Because I even like, said that to people when I was talking about us doing this podcast. Yeah. Like, I was like, she's the mom from ET. Because right. I feel like that's the easiest way to like. But people are like, oh, and because right. they're still like in their heads, like. Yeah. Oh, I think I kind of know who that is, right. but I'm not sure. Even though, like, when you watch that movie as an adult, like, she is, like, very much, like, a yeah. character that you focus on. Because, like, she has this, like, you know, sort of interesting, like, um, you know, it's like, I can't remember the details, but, like, she's divorced. Her husband is, like, gone. Yeah, it's kind um, of like a it, dysfunctional household. Yeah. She's, like, has these, two, like, three rambunctious kids right. that are, And I yeah. feel like the movie doesn't say a lot about those things. Yeah. It lets, like, what you're seeing kind of speak yeah. for itself. Um, but, uh, you know, and so it's like, you watch it now and it's like, oh, she's like, what's happening in this house, including what's happening with E.T. Yeah. Is like very important to her story. Like what she's going through has a lot to do with this, but you watch it as a kid and it's like, she's just mom. Like, you you know, you don't even think twice about that. It's wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh. 
it's yeah like just reading about her and like also when she realized like how many of her movies you've seen um she's also got this voice that i feel like is really um really noticeable like distinctive yeah like she was um like it was pretty early when like we had first started dating we um had watched the howling yeah which we'll talk about but i had also listened to her on the she kills podcast right. that um Is that adrian barbeau's podcast adrian barbeau yeah um and it's fangoria produces right, right. it i think um and she was on there talking with adrian barbeau and talking about her roles and I was just like, oh man, first off, she's like such a sweetheart. She's yeah. like such a lovely human being to just like listen to. Like she she is just like a universal mom. <laughs> and I mean yeah, that yeah. in like the best way where there's just this like warmth about her regardless of what she's talking about. Even when she's talking about these like crazy, like gory roles that she yeah. was in, she's like so sweet and adorable about it. Yeah. Um, and she's just like such a great personality to be like in the genre movie, like horror, like community, yeah, yeah. especially. Um, so yeah, D. Wallace has like 253 acting credits on IMDb. It's fucking insane. It's, it's a, a lot. That's why you're getting two parts deep. Yeah. Um, and granted, a lot of it is TV, so we'll probably run through a lot of the TV roles, but there are a lot of like also TV movies and like yeah. movies I didn't even really know about. Mm-hmm. So like some of those we might skip over too, because like I was writing notes and I was like, holy shit, I've been working on this for so long. Yeah. Because there are so many roles that I like. N- like, and all of them sound interesting, so I want to talk about all of them, sure, but I'm like, I yeah. can't. And um, we did go out of our way. You know, this is another thing where, like, there's still, like, a John Saxon movie we're trying to follow up on, but we also, with D, yeah. have gone out of our way to, like, find one or two sort of, like, weird odds and ends that yeah. might take longer to get to us than we will be yeah. working on her episodes. There's so, a crazy one that I can't wait till we get to it. I think yeah. it's the 90s, yeah. so it'll be in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go up to the 80s in her career. Um, but, oh, man, I, even the description of this movie, I can't wait talk about yeah. it sounds wild so yeah we i mean she's another one where we might continue to catch up with d wallace movies yeah. over the course of this show and kind of report on our our findings for sure um but yeah d wallace was born december 14th 1948 in kansas city kansas uh she was born deanna lee bowers um that i don't know why but that name fully makes sense for who d wallace mm-hmm. is often in movies yeah um, she was educated at the University of Kansas and she was a former ballet soloist. Um, and she briefly taught high school drama before she became a, uh, an actress, which makes total oh, sense. She yeah. has like a, she definitely has like a teacher vibe to her too. I misread your note as former ballet socialist. And I was mm-hmm. like, I got to know what ballet socialists <laughs> are. We have to stop this podcast immediately. She's like a socialite research. at parties. She's just twirling in a corner. Yeah. Research ballet socialist socialists um so yeah she's uh she's big into like the horror community she like talks about how she loves her horror fans and how they're the best fans in the world um she feels like she gets to play all these really wonderful arcs and vulnerable and be like vulnerable and emotional so i'm like really excited to to get into some of these um did you were you gonna say something well do you want to read this one quote from her because i think there's an interesting thing yeah in do here. you want to read it yeah so she in talking about like horror films because i mean as you'll see as we go through her filmography here in a minute it's, she's a lot of what you would know her most from is horror movies yeah, is sure. genre movies yeah. um and uh so she we found this quote where she said i'm not surprised because a lot of films in the 80s are you know true horror film a true horror film takes time to develop a story and develop characters that you invest uh, and care in. Movies now don't do that too much, and I think the best example of that recently is A Quiet Place, which is a brilliant horror movie. But it doesn't surprise me, we've kind of lost that whole style and feeling of filmmaking, 
And it was life-changing for a lot of us back then because it really was a whole new genre from the old Universal films like Frankenstein and all those. Um, these made a huge jump in really dealing with people's fears and hopes and everything. The Howling is really about a battle between good and evil. Cujo is really about how far a mother will go to protect her and love her child. And people identified a lot with those human elements that were always in those 80s films. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point about like, you know, I mean, I think you and I have become very big horror fan. I mean, you were a horror fan a long time before I met you. Mm -hmm. I was, I already was, but have become much even more invested. But we're in also both movies. people that became like big horror fans yeah, later, later in, in our life. life. Yeah. Like I was pretty terrified of right. like most things that had horror elements in it. Like yeah. I wouldn't even go into a haunted house when I was like, I like pushed my younger sister into a haunted house and I like ran out the exit. Yeah, once. yeah, yeah. I didn't like haunted um, houses either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like Same. horror elements, I was like not into until I was like early twenties, I think. Same. I I got yeah. into this in adulthood, and and so anyway, my point is like she makes this interesting point about like eighties is probably what we watched the most of. Yeah, for sure. You know, even coming to this stuff later in life, that just is the decade where I often yeah. find I'm enjoying myself the most. And so it's most like consistently. why? Why is that? It's a yeah. really interesting point that she makes about. You know, I think like 70s cinema is kind of known for um, getting out of the sort of mid-Atlantic accent sort of, ha, talky-talky pictures, you know, and into this more like naturalism of movies, a more naturalistic acting yeah, style. And I so I think like 80s horror kind of does is, it's interesting that she brings up that like, you can feel a very distinct difference between that and like old Universal movies, yeah. you know? Yeah. As they just delve into psychology and things like that, where that's mm -hmm. not really what we were dealing with in horror prior to that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm speaking so... in generalizations, yeah. but. I mean, that makes sense. And like, you know, depending on the time period, horror was definitely like getting at different things at different times. Yeah. And, you know. And I would guess the 80s is when like the most money was being dumped into horror. Not that horror movies were being made for lots of money, but, there but were I think so lots many... of them were yeah. being made. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, brought that up because I think that sets a really good tone. Yeah, it's an interesting way to frame journey. her career, I think. Yeah. Um, so her first uh, acting gigs were in the 70s. Um, her first on-screen role is in 1974 on a show, um, Lucas Tanner. She's credited as Waitress. Um she tells this really adorable story about how she went into the audition and to make a good impression, she was like, I'm going to bake cookies for everyone and just kind of barge in. And she, yeah. she does that and like hands them out to everyone. And they're just like, Oh, like, who are you? And like you, the, this lovely person that brought us cookies. And that's like, she's like, great, I'm in. <laughs> and I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. D like what a baller move that is to come in and be like, Oh, I'm going to like feed people. And that's how I'm going to get in on this audition. I know you love to bake, but yeah. like in my, head hearing that story i'm like oh my god can you imagine if that was how you had to build your career was you had to fucking bake cookies every time you went out for an audition i mean i would have a career if that yeah, were the yeah, case. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that's her first on-screen role um then the following year um she does more tv streets of san francisco um ellery queen and then her first uh film presence was actually in the stepford wives which uh she was credited as nettie the maid and i was like that's crazy we just saw that saw pretty that, recently right? we saw it at was the last horathon yeah. it was like the first or second movie they played yeah um and it was great we loved, by the way this but, movie is so good but we're i was like where the fuck was d wallace yeah. and she is like in a scene serving like the wives wow. at one point um 
Yeah, she tells a funny story about that, too, where she was getting ready to interview for a part-time receptionist job, and um, Brian Forbes kept walking back and forth looking at her, um, and finally says, excuse me, are you an actress? And she goes, yes, I am. And he goes, want to be in a movie? And she's like, yes, I do. Um, So in, like, the blink of the eye, she's Nettie the maid, (laughs) which is just really funny. And it seems like she kind of, like, just kind of gets an in that way, which is being this, like, beautiful sweetie, essentially. Yeah. yeah, she's got like a Dolly Parton quality to her, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then in 1975, she is one of the stars of Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. Uh, she is the older sister in the family, I believe. Yes. And yeah, she has like this tiny baby and her husband are like with the rest of her family journeying through this place. Yeah, um, her husband who like for most of the movie, you're like this goofy motherfucker. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, you're like. Oh, my God, sir. Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty devastating movie, and not really for the reasons, like, you know, I thought, because that was, we watched it a couple weeks ago, and it was my first time seeing it, because it's a movie that I've always avoided, just because I feel like, oh, I'm not going to like this. But it's also, like, I'm not sure how much of me that is, like, with the original versus the remake or, you know, sequels or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. and just knowing they're really icky and gross. Yeah. Um, and it definitely felt like a, I feel bad, I don't want to say worse version, but it maybe like a less engaging, less interesting version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, we were talking about that, where yeah. it feels like, and I know this is a weird thing to say, but this is how I said it to you, is like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, does have a sense of humor, I mm-hmm. think. It's like a twisted, sick yeah. sense of humor, but it is a sense of humor yeah. that this movie lacks. Yeah. And so it's like, it is the the sort of, I mean, it- Which is- so funny to think that this is a Wes Craven movie where you know his career gets into these like very meta yeah. horror comedies. Oh yeah, and he definitely has a sense of humor. Yeah. But this very much almost feels like a, like an origin of torture porn to me or something, yeah. right? Where it's like it is just about the exercise of being like devastating. Yeah. It's and really uh, <laughs> it is extremely effective in that. Yeah. Um, it is a very good horror movie mm-hmm. in that it is like effectively just a devastating thing yeah. to watch unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, and does have some like really interesting, cool stuff along, you know, you know, yeah. there's like, there's good sequences in this, but it is, it is, it is so much just that, just mm-hmm. an exercise in devastation that, yeah. like, I never need to watch it again. Me neither. You know? Yeah, it was a little exhausting to watch, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Dee is amazing She's great in it. great in it. She's so good. And unfortunately, she uh, gets killed off, like, yeah. midway yeah. through the movie, I would say. Yeah. Like, maybe a little further in she makes it, but she does get this, like, great moment where, like, the fucking hill people are, like, in their trailer and they have her baby and she just immediately, like lurches at this guy like she's her and her whole family are terrified of what's going on but like in that moment it's just like fuck no like that is my baby and she like actually gets a couple good shots in Mm -hmm. on this person before she ultimately like perishes and it's really sad because she does kind of become just like the the moment that moment is like an arc for her husband who then becomes this more serious person that needs to like save his child yeah yeah yeah. um yeah she's like uh that unfortunate thing of like a a woman's death being like motivation for like the male protagonist yeah which Um, like it only works for me because she like had this really she was so good and does have this really amazing moment where she is like defending her family totally yeah Um, yeah she has a righteous death right which is like a a cool thing for the female character to not just like 
whatever be like a titillating victim basically yeah. you know and you know it's interesting too because i think we talked a little bit about this with john saxon about how it's interesting how he plays different like cop characters yeah yeah but like d is really good at playing different mom characters she and is she's, she's mom's like throughout her career like this is 75 and yeah she's, she's a mom. young in this movie yeah she's very young and she's like still playing mom roles i think even like 90s to like early 2000s even yeah um, like she's like i think she's like 24 or 25 uh, yeah when this when she's making this movie you know but yeah um hills have eyes is devastating but she is oh, yeah wonderful. i mean i'm glad we watched it because uh you and i have we been like to. catching up on yeah. some of craven's movies yeah. in the past couple years um and uh, i'm glad to have it out of the way me too um, but i mean i definitely one of those things where it's like so this is one of I mean, this is one of her very first film roles, and she clearly like makes a a, a kind of a splash here, right? Like she's mm. very much a standout presence in this movie. Yeah. Um, she goes on to do like more TV in the seventies. She's in Starsky and Hutch. She's in a show called Bigfoot and Wild Boy, which I've never heard of. Never it heard of that, amazing. but immediately want to try and find it. Known it. Um, she's in Taxi, Mrs. Columbo, and she's also in Chips. Um, Mrs. Columbo, Mrs. Columbo is a show. Also, don't know what it is, but sure. I'll well, watch the, it. Columbo was like a detective. No, show. No, I know, but I'm like, are they related? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it like his wife, his mom, yeah. his daughter? Um. And then in 1977, she stars in a movie called All the King's Horses, which is about a Christian woman falling in love with a non-Christian man. And it says, based on a true story. Man, I, <laughs> it, isn't it crazy that as recently as 19, which I guess is not that recent anymore, but as recently as 1977, it's like, <gasps> that's a premise for a movie. Yeah, I'm like, you, you don't, like I get no more description that yeah. that's what your movie yeah, is like. Yeah, that's the whole about. premise of the movie. Um, then in 1979, she's in a film called... 10 um, about a Hollywood composer going through a midlife crisis um, but she stars in that movie with uh, Bo Derek uh, and Julie Andrews that is super cool I mean yeah. I would see that movie on that cast I know right yeah. I was like oh these women are amazing yeah great would would watch on that cast um, and yeah that's you know she she actually has like less than I expected in the seventies. Oh as my far as god! Roles. Yeah, it's got a really the poster bad is cover. hilarious. It's like a man hanging off a necklace that is dangling around a large-breasted woman's chest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who's also just wearing like underwear or something? It's, yeah. yeah. Very it's funny. Very strange. Um. So then we get into the nineties. Um. And she or eighties. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> by the way, sorry. Ten is a Dudley Moore movie. That's who stars in that movie. Dudley Moore uh, is the star of Arthur and Bedazzled uh, and like okay. a bunch of stuff. Like he, yeah, he was like a comedian back in the day that oh, okay. was fairly well recognized and known. Um, she, you know, starts the '90s off with a TV role in a show called Skag. The '80s, you mean? <laughs> or the '80s? I keep saying the '90s. I don't know why. Um, that has Peter Gallagher and Pippi Laurie, which I know I wrote that name. Oh, um, she is from, um. We just watched it. Twin Peaks. Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie. That's what I mean. Did yeah. I say Pippi? I don't know why I can't speak right now. No, it's. Uh, I think you just wrote it down wrong. So you were speaking properly for what you wrote. Um. But yeah, I was like, I oh, love Peter cool. Gallagher. That's yeah. cool. I was like, that's what the stuff hell is there. Skag? No idea. Um. Then she goes on to do the Secret War of Jackie's Girls, which is a what TV movie. A great title. I know, and it's about uh. A f- six female helicopter pilots during World War II. Oh, I was like, cool. ooh, I would watch that. That yeah. sounds great. 
Um, and then in 1981, she stars in Joe Dante's The Howling. Um, and she stars in that movie. Um, the person that plays her husband in the movie was her actual husband yeah, at the time. Yeah, hold on. I will get this information while we talk about this, because this is one of the ones that we watched, like, actually, uh, right when we started dating. This yeah, was it was, like, we watched very together. early into our relationship. It was Halloween. Mm-hmm. We watched Castle Freak and The Howling. That's right. Yeah, we d- we double featured. Yeah. Two movies that I think I'm like very okay on. I think they're like they're good movies that yeah. I enjoyed. Um Uh so Christopher wait. Stone. Yes, right. Yeah. That's her husband, Christopher um, Stone. So Christopher Stone is in that movie with her. Um and the notes from this is that she gets hired and she had just gotten engaged to to Stone. Yeah. And they couldn't find an actor to play her husband in the film. And so she was like, pretended she didn't know her <laughs> husband to get him the role. Cause That's she was awesome. like, this is going to sound super unprofessional if I'm like, Oh, well my husband's an actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she was like, Hey, I know this guy. And like, he's been, I think he, she says like, Oh, he was in like chips with me. Okay. And he's like a really good actor. And so then she eventually gets a call and they're like, Oh D we booked him. And she was just like, yeah, I know. She's like, that's the guy I'm engaged to. And they're like, oh, you pulled a fast one on me, D. And I'm just like, I love these little moments of her career. That's very funny. <laughs> um, but it is funny because they uh, act in like a couple of things together. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he's also in Cujo with her, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, so that, that is pretty interesting. And she ends up, you know, what she takes his name for a little while in her career. Yeah, like, she she's goes quite, by D. Wallace Stone yeah, she for a while. Yeah, she's credited as D. Wallace Stone for a bit. Um. She talks about Joe Dante in one of the interviews I found, and she says he paid for all the commercials that are in there himself because there is a ton of TV yeah, there uh, is. ads and commercials. I mean, TV is like kind of actually what yeah. that movie's about in a weird way. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Because she's like a reporter. A, a reporter, I think. Or yeah. like an anchor or right. something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she goes he was instrumental in bringing the names of the characters from a lot of the old werewolf movies. That he totally just added makes sense. so much in there for true horror fans. He Dante cuz like Dante is like this like old school movie nerd. Yeah. Um and that's kind of, you know, it's like when you look at his filmography with things like The Rocketeer and stuff, it's like he just loves like old silent movies mm-hmm. and serials and stuff like that. Yeah. I bet he's got like a deep deep fucking knowledge of yeah. like every werewolf movie that had ever been made before that. And I think it's partly why the werewolf effects in that movie are so good. Yeah, it's which I think I li- maybe liked that movie a little bit more than you did. I think did. you did, yeah. Um, I, yeah, the werewolf effects are very good. They're There's awesome. one transformation scene that I think is a little bit towards the end of the movie, and it's like the werewolf changing in an enclosed space, yes. and I think it's so effective. Um, but I always think of that, and then also the end of the movie is really intense too, um, and specifically because Dee Wallace, um, you know, the famous end of the movie, she gets like uh, bit or scratched by the werewolf, and she changes into a werewolf on live TV to like <laughs> let people know what's happening. Yes, which is insane. But it's like that ending. I always fucking remember. It yeah. just stands out compared to like other uh, films in that kind in the genre and in werewolf movies, especially. And so that has Rob Bottin and Rick Baker working on that stuff. Yeah, I thought it was it was Botine, definitely. Mm-hmm. I knew that this was one of his, but yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was both of them. Yeah. Which makes so much sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. course. And, uh, yeah, and so, like, you know, I I wasn't, like, crazy about this movie, but I like this movie, and I, I feel like Dante is the kind of guy that, like, the reason you end up with such an amazing transformation sequence is because yeah. he has seen all of the other ones mm-hmm. and is like, I, I want to make a werewolf movie so that I can do the sort of 
current modern improved you know like transit you know i want to one-up that stuff yeah because yeah i mean you kind of talking about universal monsters again like that was so iconic when yep. they started having the transformation yep. scenes of the werewolf and everything and mm-hmm. the wolfman. But then you get like a whole other level once you get to the 80s. Yes. So it's just thinking again about how 80s was so influential in horror for different reasons. Yeah, and yeah. having those makeup artists on this movie yeah. effects and whatnot. It's... And this is her in the lead role as well. Like yeah. As far as her career, it's like... That's not to say she has not had lead roles before this, but looking through her filmography, it looks like this is sort of like... I don't know, in like big studio movies, this is her first kind of like yeah. right top billing starring yeah. role. And she's amazing. Yeah. I love her so much. Um, yeah, after that, she goes on to, she does a lot of TV movies, A Whale for the Killing. These TV movies have great fucking names. They're, I really want to do a deep dive more into TV movies. I find them fascinating, and we've seen some really decent ones. Yeah. Uh, the, yes. Yeah. I was, I was about to launch into, but like we don't need to talk no. about TV movies right now. Um, she did a couple of these like ABC after school specials. Uh, but one she does is called Run Don't Walk that has Scott Bayo in it with her. Oh man. Amazing. About a teenage uh girl in denial about being in a wheelchair. <laughs> okay. Uh just so interesting what they felt like they needed to do after school specials. Yeah. On. She plays Sue Jenkins. Yep. Um, she does uh some other TV films like The Five of Me, Child Bride of Short Creek with a young Diane Lane. What the? Which is exactly what you think it's about. It's about like this young girl Isn't that gets it about married a child off. Bride from Short child Creek. Bride. <laughs> um, and then in 1982, she plays Mary in E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which it's crazy. I've definitely seen that movie like a thousand times and we, you know, would like to rewatch it again specifically with the lens of her being in it. Um, She'd be a great excuse to rewatch it. This is a movie that like I did see a bunch as a kid. It's also a movie that this is one of the reasons I didn't like horror movies as a like Were you afraid of E.T.? When the, just the very beginning of the movie scared the shit out of me me so much that I could never get past like the first five minutes. There were scenes that like made me cringe. Like I hated the noises his body made. Mm -hmm. Like when he reaches out for like the Reese's Pieces and different (laughs) scenes and then there's the one when they when he and etc each other and he screams yeah. and runs off into the field yeah and i was like how is this not considered like a fucking yeah. horror movie this is so scary there's like an unmade sequel to that movie that is like essentially a horror movie oh weird yeah yeah i mean et is like it it is a heartwarming story but man is he fucking terrifying for like yeah. the first half of that movie yeah it scared the shit out of me. And so anyway, so I did eventually watch it a bunch as a kid. It was like one of the VHSs we owned. Yeah. You know, so it was like mm-hmm. I definitely watched it. But because of that, like I've never really had a strong desire to rewatch it as an adult, mm. even though I know I would like it. Like everybody's like, oh, no, it's like yeah. it's like actually great. And I'm sure I would find yeah. the same. But so anyway, D might be a good excuse to uh, to do that. I think so. I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, I can't actually remember the last time I've seen it. Bit... And it was one that I watched so much because eventually I did get over being terrified yeah, of the movie. And then it was a movie that, like, I would watch with my family and I would bawl my eyes out at the end. Definitely ends. been, like, 20 years at yeah. least, you know? But there is so much good, like, government conspiracy kind of shit. I remember and, that like, shit scaring me when I was a kid, too. The government agents yeah. are also horrifying yeah. in this movie. And I, I like have distinct the members. House, yeah. You know? Like, they, like, 
close yeah, it the, off with the big tents and mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. And then them just in the white suits yeah. with the hood things yeah. were really scary. scary. Um, but I want to rewatch it too because, you know, I think when you watch it when you're younger, you're definitely like living in the perspective of the children yeah. in that movie. But I distinctly remember Dee having a lot of good moments in E.T. too. Yeah. Um, where she is like, she kind of needs to like defend her kids against the government that's coming in <laughs> right. and everything. Um <laughs> And eventually kind of, like, be on their side, like, by the end of it. Even though they've been, like, hiding an alien in the closet for who <laughs> yes. knows how long. Yes. Um, but, yeah, her and, you know, another very distinctive uh, mom role. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, we just talked about The Howling, and that's one of her few, like, non-mom roles. Like, well-known ones, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, she- E.T. has got to be the thing she's most known for. Yeah, It, it has absolutely. to be, you know? Um, yeah, that's the one I was like, oh, the most people will know this because like, everyone's seen E.T. And she's like quintessential 80s mom in that movie, too. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I mean, you could I mean, she does Cujo a year later, which is another like quintessential 80s mom, I think. Yeah. But like, yeah, just something about like, I don't know, her appearance and the way she portrays motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, she definitely is kind of the archetype for like what that is on the screen. Yeah. And like the best kind of version of that too where like she she does get to do a lot in these mom roles that she's given um and carries them because she's so good like with what whatever she needs to do yeah um next the same year she does a tv movie called skeezer that has tom atkins in it it's got tom atkins so we have to find it yeah a nurse therapist uses her oh you clicked oh i'm sorry i didn't realize you were reading it from my screen yep Skeezer, I think that's the name of the dog. Yep. A true story you'll never forget. And it's just like a like looks like a painting on the cover of it. Uh, a nurse therapist uses her dog to reach emotionally disturbed children where she works. Skeezer. <laughs> Skeezer. Which is such a weird name for what sounds like a kind of hard movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Tom Atkins plays Dr. Chandless. Of course he does. Why yeah. not? Chandless. Um, and then, yeah, the following year, she's in Stephen King's Cujo, um, which is a movie she said it was the hardest thing she's ever done, and it's the film she's proudest of. Yo, um, you I know, agree with her hardcore. Yeah. Sorry, you can continue her quote, but that I, I like... This was really what I wanted to talk about once yeah. we once we got here. Um, she's like, you know how far you can break down when you break down? How you just break down? It was relentless. At the end of it, they treated me for exhaustion for three weeks afterwards. I'm still on uh, um, ad- adrenal supplements? Ad- adrenal supplements. Adrenal supplements. Such an idiot tonight. <laughs> right. uh, because I just blew out all my adrenals. Uh, people don't understand that when an actor goes through any kind of emotional stuff, your body chemically goes through it exactly like you were in fight or flight mode. Uh, I was in maximum flight or flight for weeks. Yo, I, okay, I really feel for her on this because so I had never seen Cujo before. We watched it the yeah. uh, uh, last I week. I had seen it, I feel like I've seen it twice. Yeah. But for some reason, that movie, like, it's another one that kind of washes over me. And I'm like, I've definitely seen Cujo. I don't remember a lot, except there's a killer dog. It's weird because, so here's the thing, is I really liked Cujo, but I pretty much exclusively liked it because Dee Wallace is incredible in it. She is. It is like, it is the Dee Wallace movie Mm -hmm. to me. 
Yeah. Like like E.T. is what we think of her from, but Cujo is what we should be like lauding her for. She yeah. is so fucking good in this movie. And this movie is like really weirdly paced and kind of boring, right? Mm. Like it, it it ultimately is like not a great movie. It just is like it's paced really weird. It's kind of slow. You're just sort of trapped in the car with yeah. her for a long time. And that's kind of the point. And she's right. It's like it's about her exhaustion, which she portrays wonderfully. It's like, but I feel bad for her because like she's do she is so good in this movie that it's clear that she is like actually doing harm to herself yeah. to like reach these levels of like pure desperation that you see in this movie. Yeah. Um she's awesome in this. Like she it, it is the D Wallace show and it's the reason you should watch the movie is like to watch her like put on a fucking clinic. Like she's so good in this. Well, and you know, you talk about all that, but like what I think is really interesting is, like, the first half of Cujo is just, like, pretty compelling family drama. Yeah, it is. Um, like, and that's the stuff I always forget about Cujo. You always remember her in the car with the kid yeah. and the dog outside. And they're, like, dead bodies all over the yeah. farm that they're at. Because um, even in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, is it their dog? Do they live on right. that farm? Like, I always forget that these are people that just, like, hap- like it's, like, by happenstance yeah. that they end up here because they're just trying to get their car looked right. at. Um but yeah, like, D is such an interesting, complex character, and this, you know, very much like a Stephen King thing of, like, having the central thing be, like, about a killer dog, but having all this character development and background going on as well, yeah. where D is, like, having an affair, even though she seems to be in, like, a pretty happy marriage yeah. overall. Um, she feels, like, really fucked up about it, and, you mm-hmm. know, her husband kind of starts to know what's going on. Yeah. It affects her relationship with her kid. And so all of this is going on before we even get to the killer dog. Yeah. And so but at that point, it's like, man, and this woman is already going through the fucking ringer with everything. Yep. And she's like trying to hold her family together. And then she also has to like save her son yeah, yeah, <laughs> from yeah. a murderous dog. Yes. Yes. It's wild. Yeah. Um, it, when you describe it like that, it sounds like the best fucking movie anybody's ever like made. You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> but it like all of that stuff is so good yeah. and is like, it's still all her. Yeah. She just carries the movie in a totally yes. different way. Cause at the beginning, it's just all this drama like in with her and the person she's cheating on her husband with, who is played by her actual husband. I was going to say, because that's, um, what's his name, Stone, yep. is uh, playing her lover. Who's yeah. like, I don't know, like a town mechanic or something? Yeah, he's like a townie. Like, yeah. That's kind of how they describe yeah. him. He uh, he makes furniture for them. Yeah, Because he's that's like right. coming over to like bring Christopher like the- Stone. Christopher Stone, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we get her in the car and she's fucking exhausted. Her kid's young and he's like, already kind of a scaredy cat which is another thing they bring up so he's having like an especially hard time in the car and she's so good at just doing that like exhausted mom thing where it's like and like I feel so bad for my mom the amount of time she's given us like that look where she's like trying to do something important and we don't actually get what's going on so it's just like oh but I need to pee or like I'm hungry or like Oh, like I need this, and she's like, "I'm just trying to hold it the fuck together." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really, yeah, I think she's fucking tremendous in this movie, and I really feel for her in that quote where it's like, she is so right that mm-hmm. this is like the best work that I, at least I've seen her do, and yeah. and it is uh, really incredible, but also like. It looks exhausting. It looked like I feel mm-hmm. bad for her that she like went to those lengths for a movie that I just think is like okay, you yeah, know. I know. It's it's pretty wild. But yeah. yeah, she is like fucking amazing in this movie. I mean, uh I don't know is like IMDb trivia for, you know, accurate things. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, that's not well sourced, but I just happen to be on the page and it says Stephen King has stated he feels D. Wallace gives the best performance in this film of any film or TV adaptation of his books. Including Kathy Bates yeah. in Misery, which is wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would be such an interesting thing to do, like best like female leads and like Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she I mean she's she would so be good up in there. This. Yeah, like, she's so good in yeah. this. It's she's the reason people should watch this movie. Yeah. Like I'm not even saying like, hey, if you wanna watch it, like here's a good reason to watch it. I'm literally saying like you should watch Cujo. Yeah. Because D. Wallace is so fucking good in it. It's like really worth yeah. seeing for her performance. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. yeah. Every time, like, it's another movie, like, when we talked about the fog and stuff, where it's yeah. like, I just think of, like, oh, it's like just about this, like, killer dog. It's about, like, ghost pirates. I don't right, know. It's, right. like, kind of dumb and boring. Right. But then I watch it and I'm like, no, but there is so much good shit in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, so she she does Cujo. She does some more TV films, like The Sky's No Limit. The Sky's No Limit. Yep. Uh, and then Secret Admirer with Lori Laughlin and C. Thomas Howell. Whoa. Uh, which is, man, I feel like I'm trying to click on the IMDb for this. Here, I can bring it up. Oh, it's just about an anonymous love letter uh, left in uh, this guy's locker and how it wreaks havoc on his life and the lives of everyone who comes in contact with it. Sounds very strange, but uh, would would watch. See, Thomas Howell is like a just a funny presence in movies to me. He really is. Except I like I always forget that I like fucking love him in The Hitcher. Right. Yeah. Is because now he's yeah he's just kind of become an older weird presence and yeah. things. Um, she's in the 1980s Twilight Zone. Um, she does a film called Club Life that has Michael Parks and Tony Curtis in you it. You know how much I love Michael Parks. Yeah. And I love Tony. Oh my God! Look at this poster. It's gonna great poster it's part of the reason i want to watch the movie oh very good poster it's where sex and violence do the dancing wait i need to add this to my watch list right now uh, amazing written and directed by norman thaddeus vane yep yeah and it's about like bouncers i'm like okay sure i mean Would watch we love roadhouse we, we lo- do love roadhouse. we love a good bouncer movie baby um she then goes on to do a TV movie called Sin of Innocence uh, with <laughs> young Dermot Milroney. <laughs> Whoa. Wait. These TV movies have the best fucking titles. I swear, TV movies are like where it's at. Yeah. I think, oh, yes. Bill it's Bigsby a... is in this movie. Okay, this is crazy. So it's about a widow and widower who get together and then Ooh. their kids fall for each other. What? And everyone's like weirded out about it. So it's like, hey, what if um, the Brady Bunch was actually as creepy as that premise is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then in 1986, she stars in uh, Critters, another one of her big movies. Critters. Which we watched the we other totally day. We totally watched Critters. Um, which is like... It's a, fine. The thing that it would bummed me out about it was that it has this like great kind of anarchic energy. You know, like when they fucking shoot guns in this movie, entire walls explode. Like yeah. it is just like pure chaos energy. Yeah. And yet it is quite boring for like I much know, it's of its crazy. runtime, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, because by the time you get to the explosions, I'm like, oh man, like I should be really enjoying this right now. Yeah. I'm not. Um but and like the critters themselves are kind of cool. They're looking. pretty fun. They're... I actually enjoy like some of the early violence. Like oh, yeah. I like watching the dad get attacked yeah. in the basement and poor fucking uh who is it? 
Billy Zane. Oh, yes. Uh, and his, his fucking ponytail. ponytail. Yeah. Um, but then, like, you know, he's making out with the daughter in the barn, yep. and then he gets murdered yep. by these things. And they're, like, they're cool. They're, like, puppets. And yeah. I like the roly-poly aspect of them is really fun and, like, and kind of cute. they just getting bigger yeah. over time, which is also, like, pretty terrifying. Yeah, creepy and weird. Yeah. But, yeah, it just, like, I don't know. It doesn't totally... It's also one of those movies that doesn't totally come together for me on, like, a... I think it mostly wants to be like kind of a comedic send up mm. of like, you know, uh, what what my uh, co-host uh, uh, of my other podcast likes to call little guy movies. Yeah, Dan, I was thinking, you about know, that. Dan calls them little guy movies, but like most little guy movies already are kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And so it's weird to be like, oh, we'll make the funny version of that. It's like, well, they're already yeah. kind of funny. It's just like, I don't know. It has like a weird kind of yeah. tone. I also like haven't seen, I guess, a lot of little guy movies, but I always get them confused in my head. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Critters is the same as Ghoulies, right? right, right. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. they're both like little things that right. attack people. I don't know. And like, but it also, it the other thing that I think is like, this is one of those movies that would be probably much better and more fun if it actually invested any time in its characters, yeah. but everybody because is D, just a dumb archetype yeah. in this movie. And Dee's really good, and yeah. she's doing what she can. And, I mean, she gets top billing on this. Yeah. Like At this point, Dee is, like, clearly, like, loved by the genre already. Yes. Um, But, yeah, you're right. Like, you don't really get an in with any of the characters in any kind of meaningful way, which is unfortunate. Yeah, they just, I don't know, they never rise above being just, like, the archetypes for the critters to, like, do critter stuff to. Yeah. And, you know, that just means there's, like, a cap on how fun that can be, usually. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, you're fucking Death Spa, and then there's no cap. There is no top. Yep. Um, There's no ceiling. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) No top. Yeah. Um... She then goes on to do a film called Shadow Play with Cloris Leachman. Um, in 87, she does Legend of the White Horse with Christopher Lloyd. That is a great title. Yep. Is that a TV movie? It's got a great title. It is a TV movie about Cold War, a satire about Cold War politics. Turns out a way you can figure out if it's a TV movie or not is if it has a great title. Yep. Exactly. Um, and then she does like a couple like TV shows where she's like on them for a decent amount of time. She's in Hotel with James Brolin, and she's in uh, Nothing Is Easy with Elliot Gould. Um, that that sounds kind of cool. And then she does another TV film called Addicted to His Love. Got to be a TV movie with a it's title like that. Got to be. Um, and it's wait such a great name. Is that this? Hold on. Is that just the same movie as Legend of the White Horse? I don't think so, but that's also happening to me. Maybe I just accidentally put the wrong link in. Oh, okay. Hold on. I'll find I'm Dangerous. What was it called? Oh, Addicted to His Love. I found it. Um, oh, it's about Larry Hogan uses various aliases, meets middle-aged women through dating services and personal ads, and uses his charm to cheat them out of their money. Whoa. Um, it also has Linda Pearl, who stars in... Um, Visiting Hours. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, which, which we just watched. Well, and also Hector Elizondo is in this, Barry Bostwick, Colleen Camp. Yeah, it's very interesting. Wow. That's quite the cast. But, uh, man, yeah, that's a uh, that's her up to the 80s. Um, up through the 80s, yeah. Up through the 80s, yeah. Well, this is great because it gives us an opportunity to catch up with some of her 90s and more recent stuff. Yeah. Um, which we've already watched a couple of these things, so I'm excited to sort of, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff here. Okay, I'm very excited about this. It's also interesting because, like, I, 
I and I feel like I expect this with a lot of actresses especially but I expected to see like her doing a lot more movies in the 70s and 80s and then like kind of like petering off right when we get to like the 90s and 2000s and stuff which is not the fucking case no. at all she is in so much shit especially in like the 90s and 2000s like she's constantly working um which just seems insane to me because we you know we did um uh why am i like blanking on all the worlds jill Sholin. oh yeah uh who you know does kind of start off as this like you know young cute girl that's in like all of this stuff yeah. and then her career kind of like and yeah, kind yeah. of peters out after she does some like not great movies like it seems like it's like ah, uh, like maybe it's time to like stop acting where it's like d manages to get to this point where she's doing like a lot of b stuff and that will continue on throughout her career so it's very interesting that she is just still fucking working it and I yeah love it. well and i just like i don't know i went from like you know when you were like oh let's do d wallace being like who i know to like Oh, she's so fucking good in Cujo yeah. that I now actually like I need to catch up with more D Wallace work. Like I, I am looking forward to finding and watching more D Wallace movies, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, and also interested because I think we also are a little bit horror snobs, or we're like, sure. uh, do I want to watch two thousands horror that I've never heard yeah. of? That probably means it's not good. And I'm like, I don't know, some of it might be okay, but I'm I bet she's good in yeah. all of it. I mean, it's another excuse for me to maybe watch Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. So, um, and then quickly, I just want to make sure I like shout out like some of the sources that I use. So, um, you know, for some of the interviews and like fun tidbits that I found out from D Wallace, um, she's done interviews with the horror channel um av club and morbidly beautiful um and she gives some really cool interviews in like recent years talking about her career and reflecting on what she's working on which is cool that's great um so yeah that is our episode on d uh which i think now we can uh plug our social media because it exists it does exist we don't have anything on it yet no we should have done this at the beginning of the show by the way note that for next time yep so yeah we uh have a email so you can email us um with you know suggestions for people to do um like i mentioned like in some earlier episodes um i definitely want to try to find like more women more poc folks more like lgbtq folks Mm -hmm. if you have like some good suggestions um Mm -hmm. i definitely have a list already but want to hear like more people for sure um also uh, i'll give a call for like if you have any like weird hard to find movies from any of these yeah. people reach out to us because we're probably trying to see them yeah for sure and like you know we'll talk about this movie it's like the first one we're going to talk about yeah. when we start the 90s with d wallace but there's a movie that like we are having shipped to us from the uk because yeah. it's a crazy tv movie that sounded amazing and we needed to find it yep. and couldn't find it anywhere yep. so i'm like fuck it i'm buying it from this yep. random dude on ebay yep. um which thank god we have a region free player because uh that helps us watch a lot of this weird ass shit i know i'm glad i spent that uh weird amount of money for that weird <laughs> device weird 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 yeah um but yeah so please email us at uh killer bees podcast at gmail.com uh bs uh not like b-e-e-s um same thing goes for we have a twitter now we have an instagram and a facebook killer bees podcast you can find us same spelling for all of that killer bs podcast killer bs yeah killer bees Killer bees. Uh, that's exciting and uh, i have another show called i like to movie movie uh you should find us and uh subscribe and listen to us uh and uh i'm on movie john occasionally
occasionally. Yeah. Um, you can find my other podcast, Butter With That. We uh, just hit 100 episodes recently. Uh, so we did like 100 like movie recommendations. Not like our favorite necessarily, but we each picked like, there's five of us, so we each picked like 20 movies that are like beloved, uh, which was fun to talk about. Um, I'm also on Movie John. I don't know when this will get released, but I have a couple of reviews up there. And then I'm going to be... Um, doing the final girls uh berlin festival in early february which i'm really excited about very exciting um so yeah check all of our things out yeah uh, and i'm everywhere at philadelphia as well and i am tori potenza yeah on things yes um and i don't know we don't know how to close the show the show ends it's ending now goodbye oh yeah buzz yeah it's lame but we can we can buzz buzz buzz